0: We started
1: in hard time. Welcome to, to Public Power Underground, Public you Power's you premier infotainment program that covers public power and public our power our adjacent news from the power department's perspective. Them. I'm Rebecca Sexton, Director of Reliability roll Programs on for on the Northwest Power Pool, and a Master of Engineering, a Toastmaster, and today's celebrity on guest on host, and the Hermione Granger of Western on Power, on power on.
0: Market. I'm Dan Catchpole, a journalist roll with Clearing on. Up, and I'm this week's podcast ambassador from Newsdata.
2: And this is Crystal Ball, Peanuts deputy, deputy Director and the Leslie Nove of Northwest Power and co star for today's episode.
3: And I'm the Creative Director of Public Power Underground, Manager of Klatskin I. Power Department, and producer for today's recording, Paul Dockery. Very excited to have you, Rebecca. This is going to be good stuff.
1: I'm really excited to be here. Thanks I, for
3: having me. Yeah, well, uh, you accepted the invitation. Not everybody does, and uh, we'll see who's the wiser in that one. Good. I, I did offer if you would want to do a monologue. Do you? Did you? Did you come with a monologue for us? The SNL monologue. So you style say monologue.
1: offer? It wasn't offer. Directive.
3: Uh, but mm, I'm here,
1: following yes. through with the monologue.
3: You got one for us.
1: I've got a monologue.
3: I'm ready for it. Okay? okay, I'm ready for it. You getting into the? Got to get into it. You ready for it?
1: Okay, I think I'm okay. ready.
3: Okay, go for it.
1: Okay, hey, hello. It's great to be here hosting the Public Power Underground. What an honor. You know, uh, last week when I mentioned that I was doing this, someone told me I really know I've made it here in the Northwest power industry. Um, when I got the trifecta, I've been invited onto the Public Power Underground, check received a disappointed call from a commissioner about a regional governance issue check check and been misquoted by clearing up so this is my trifecta moment i do not know if i know dan well enough to make that joke
3: <laughs> ouch you just did doesn't but, matter if
0: you don't know well are, are
1: we still friends <laughs>
0: uh let's talk at the end of the yeah, episode okay. of course we are of course we are <laughs> he he's not gonna burn, burn not a source very
1: well and i yeah. thought to myself oh no he's the butt of my first joke but
0: <laughs> <laughs> but just for the okay. record i didn't misquote you right or do i, I need to go write you a did qu- qu- all okay. right
1: it's a joke it's a joke
0: i just want to make sure i don't need to write a correction all right
1: Okay. But maybe nevertheless, I'm an unknown quantity. People at home are probably thinking, how's this lady got the trifecta? And I don't even know who she is, but perhaps not, but it's it's my monologue and I've got a captive audience. So here we go. I wound up here in the energy industry very much by chance, uh, having decided to get a master's in or- at Oregon State in co- coastal and ocean civil engineering, and then seeking work in very landlocked Spokane. So thankfully, Sapir Consulting uh, am I allowed to make shameless plugs here for a full- Yeah, absolutely. Employers? We
3: do it all the time.
1: Okay, good. I uh, appreciated the engineering and liberal arts background, and they saw a good consultant in the making. So I started projects with our IOU friends at Avista, but I quickly transitioned to mostly public power project management with friends at Chelan and Tacoma. So then, of course, in 2019, I jumped in on this regional RA effort, and eventually that led to Grant Carrington stealing a bunch of us superiors to manage that effort when uh, initiation started last year. So now we all understand the need for the shameless Sapir plug. We sort of owe them something. So uh, I guess that's the story of how I wound up here representing the only power pool in the region not standing up a market. So seriously, when we started this resource adequacy thing back in 2019, it was a grand idea that Randy Hardy gave a 30% chance of success. And I think I might be quoting him too hot. Uh, that what a journey over the last few years. I've learned a lot. So I've learned a lot about resource adequacy. I think I remember leaving the first meeting and asking Greg if he could confirm what RA stood for. So come a long way since then. Um, And I think uh, learned a lot about uh, program governance and our region's storied history with that. Learned a lot about the people. So much about the people. My job is about 40% organization and 10% hosting meetings and maybe 50% regional therapist. So actually, the people have been phenomenal. Uh, There's been a lot of regional momentum, and we're really excited to be part of it. Uh, We're working really hard. The Power Pool has been the home for so many beloved and really invaluable programs over the years, but the staff is um, evolving, the organization is changing, and we are uh, taking on all sorts of new programs, new participants, and lots of new expectations. Uh, our RA team is small but mighty, looking to expand in short order. So, how many plugs can we fit into one monologue?
3: Uh, um, quite we've a few. We've seen so much support from
1: the region's utilities and regulators and stakeholders, uh, with just a few exceptions. But I think even Randy is at like sixty percent now. So, in my book. That's like 200%, but I'm a bit of an optimist. Uh, it's That's a prerequisite for this job. Um, so speaking of feeling optimistic, the Western Resource Adequacy Program, or the RAP, um, and other programs at the Power Pool are expanding the footprint. And as we do that, it's become clear that the Northwest isn't so fitting anymore. Um, so we are really excited to announce a name change tomorrow morning. We're recording on Monday, but this will happen in the morning. Um so we'll be doing business as the Western Power Pool. And Dan, this is on deep background till the morning. I should have thought of that before I made fun of Dan
0: <laughs> on my
1: very <laughs> first joke. But <laughs> but we are that's right, really excited I'll just to make this get the change. name wrong. What was that, Dan?
0: So that's okay. I'll just get the name wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, touche. <laughs> Uh, We're really excited for the change. Uh, We're just doing business as. So, those people at home who are like freaking out about all of our contracts and existing services, those don't need to change. It's okay. Um, And I guess perhaps I should reintroduce myself as Rebecca Sexton, the Director of Reliability Programs for the Western Power Pool. Um, And now we should get the show started.
3: Yeah, breaking news. I don't know. I don't have a breaking news uh, like anything breaking news. yeah, I have typewriters. All I have is typewriters and bells, and a bedum tish. So somewhere in there oh, is a, yeah, like some okay. combination. I could have used
1: a butum tish for some of my. Yeah, videos. I should have been here a... someday. People might look back at this and be like, "That Rebecca, so young, such a promising career before she made fun of clearing up, and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> oh, what a mistake!" <laughs>
3: No, I think you're, I think you're good. I think you've just endeared yourself actually to clearing up (laughs) and the entire news data team. Paul, if you
0: need an authentic newsroom, breaking news sound, it's usually just a uh, gruff editor looking, looking up from his desk and pointing to the nearest reporter
3: and saying, Hey, you get over here. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to clip that soundbite of you (laughs) saying that, and then we'll have it on the soundboard for next time we have breaking news. But we're the it's the WPP D, doing business as is now uh, the title of this episode. It's doing business, <laughs> business as, as DBA okay. is not, we we've named the episode. Yeah. Uh, Western Power Pool, the whip. We're going with the whip.
1: Oh, the whip! Yeah, for sure. The yeah, whip. I think already we've known this for a few weeks. It's really hard to stop saying the name. It's like we're gonna. I've only been here for a few months at the Northwest and now Western Power Pool. And I imagine that those folks who were there for, you know, 20, I think we've got like 23 years on a couple of them. So that is quite the switch. It's hard, but it's exciting. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, if you're going to whip it, whip it good. It's going to (laughs) be great. That's
1: That's all I could come up with. Uh,
3: I didn't know other than you. I mean, I just learned. That's all I could come up with doing business ad episode title. Okay. Are we good? We ready to get into a great monologue. Great monologue, Rebecca.
1: Thanks guys. Okay.
2: That was uh, very impressive. It sets a high bar for every other co host coming on after
1: you. Way to oh, go, Rebecca. Well, I love to be the Hermione Granger of the, the Northwest market. So,
3: yes, <laughs> yeah. the Hermione Granger Same. of the whip.
1: Yeah, of the whip. Yep. I, yeah. Um, this is season four, episode four. And on today's recording, we'll discuss all sorts of energy news, including Kaiso's transmission plan, Hydro's contribution to grid reliance. Uh, offshore vessel charging arnie olson in twitter spats aaron reports with me reporting um and a bunch of witty banter in between
3: i did have to cut the arnie olson twitter spats it is good content if you're on energy twitter you saw it you experienced it i couldn't pull it into the episode we had to cut it um i didn't cut it from the script for which i apologize uh but you know what so now you know that. about it i was
1: looking for arnie olson twitter spats to be linked nope. in here all weekend and yep.
3: Everybody should be following Arnie Olson, though. Are you on Energy Twitter, Rebecca?
1: I'm not, but I feel like in the last couple of weeks listening to you guys that I know I'm missing out. It's more that I'm not on Twitter. Is that worse to say or better? I don't think there's any,
3: I don't have any qualification of how of that better or worse. But I will. No moral uh, judgment there. Maybe I there. Should,
1: Maybe I will be if I know that Arnie Olson and Twitter spatting is something that I need to be following. That's yes. that's good motivation. Right. That
3: now. and ISA dope also a follow I, that I recommend. I heard
1: that last week. Yes. Yeah, I dope As well. Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, before we get started, I am going to turn over to Dan. He's going to read the promo this week. You ready, Dan?
0: He's I nodding. am. Yep. I'm. I'm here. I'm ready to go. Okay. Presenting sponsor. Take it away, Dan. All right. The presenting sponsor of Public Power Underground is the Energy Authority. The Energy Authority is a nonprofit energy portfolio management company owned by public power entities like Klatskenai PUD. TEA's mission is to help clients maximize the value of their assets and meet their power supply goals. TEA does this by providing expertise in energy trading, advanced analytics, renewable solutions, and a whole lot more. Over 60 public power utilities have partnered with TEA to tackle their energy future. So if you are looking for an energy authority to partner with in navigating the uncertain future of our industry, visit teainc.org to learn more. That's teainc.org. The Energy Authority, there as underground
3: as it gets. That was some great delivery, Dan. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. And since we have a special guest host reading Aaron reports, I get to do the intro. So uh, ready? We're starting this week's like most weeks, checking in on power market indicators in the Northwest with our first segment, Aaron reports with Rebecca reporting.
1: Okay, we'll see. This goes very fast sometimes when Aaron does it. I've got big shoes to fill. You do. But this is Aaron reporting with Rebecca reporting, where we try to get up to speed on Northwest market indicators for February 7th, 2022. I'm Rebecca Sexton, and I've got your market update for the week. October through September flows at the Dalles for Water Year 2022 are currently forecasted to be 98% of normal, and April to September is at 98%. Outflow at the Dalles peaked over the last week at 234.6 KCFS on February 1st. Day-ending elevation at Grand Coulee Friday was 1,276, and peak outflow this past week was 186.9 KCFS on January 19th. Spot market power in the Northwest for delivery today is at 34.96, with gas at uh, 4.37 per mm MMBTU, translating to a spark spread of 4.36 and a heat rate of 8,000. In term markets, balance of month for February heavy load at Mid-Sea is trading at 40.65 per megawatt hour. Mid-Sea heavy load for March is at 35.65. March gas at Sumas is trading at 4.28, translating to a heat rate of 8,300 BTU per kilowatt hour. August power at Mid-Sea is trading at 147.50 with Sumas gas at 5.02, translating to a heat rate of 29,400. Checking in on AnswerG's aggregated basin data to check in on snow in the region. The snow water equi- equivalent for BC Hydro generation basin is at 126 of normal, 126 percent of normal. Sorry, for mid sea, uh, 103. And aggregating all the snow in the Columbia River Basin that'll flow through Bonneville Dam, they estimate there is 170, 117 percent of normal snow blanket. Skiing season is on in the Slice Mountains. Both Whistler and Rubble Stoke currently have a snow base depth exceeding seven feet with more than six inches of new snow in the last 48 hours. All trails are open and 29 of the combined 42 lifts are open. Spending a beat at Bonneville's balancing authority peak load this week was about 8,956 February 1st at 7 40 a.m. During peak's during Lode's peak, hydro generation was at 12,305, wind gen at 1,812, conventional units at 987, and nuclear at 1,169, all units in megawatts. And so for the November, December, January period, since so at negative one oceanic Nino index, the multivariate ENSO index for November and December is negative 1.21, and the SST consolidated Nino forecast indi- indicates that La Nina conditions are likely to continue through spring of 2022. This past week in NOAA climate forecast, the six to 10 day outlook has temp uh, above normal for most of the region. Precipitation is expected to be below normal. The 30 to 90 day in- outlooks indicate temperatures probably below normal for the entire region and above average precipitation for the northern region with the southern halves of Oregon and Idaho looking normal. Thanks to AnswerG for letting us use their dashboards. Thanks to Luigi for compiling this week's report. And that's all we've got.
3: Thanks, Rebecca. Really well done. You did great. You did Thanks. so good.
1: I yes. hit some numbers there in the middle. We definitely did,
3: but we <laughs> always hit numbers in the middle. Yeah, always. we always fumble that. I had a couple takeaways. Uh, curious if Crystal or Dan, you had any takeaways? You want me to lead with mine? Because one just jumped out the page at me, and that was the EIA report that said gas in New England is trading at twenty dollars in MMBTU in New York City at thirteen dollars in MMBTU. That is a lot. That is a lot. I actually dug in a little bit deeper after I discovered it. It is driven by the cold weather in the Northeast. We've heard about the cold weather, but it's disassociated from the rest of the country because of the they don't have pipeline capacity coming from the major trading hubs. So they are being subject to all of those European gas prices because of the LNG exports setting the marginal price. So from reporting in Forbes that I found that was the explanation they gave uh, for why the New England and New York gas prices are so high. The demand is outstripping the pipeline capacity. Amazing.
1: Wow. It is a huge price increase.
3: Yes. And I hadn't been following it. I just noticed it today. We haven't done this for two weeks. And I don't I don't go to that EIA webpage every day. I probably should though, shouldn't I? The other thing I had was on... Uh, California Energy Markets and clearing up, uh, Linda Daly Paulson wrote up the price summary and she wrote up about how Aliso Canyon natural gas storage facility is going to have to be drawing down through February, which is incredibly interesting for the region and natural gas prices. Yeah.
2: Paul, can we talk about the weather?
3: absolutely let's talk about the weather people love yeah, talking about the weather so she wasn't have anything else to talk about
2: <laughs> but it's just unseasonably uh warm in the afternoons here in the northwest and uh have you noticed it's not raining uh and it doesn't seem to be snowing in the higher elevations either and we're in the beginning of february um and you know i just think this is um very interesting it doesn't feel like winter it feels more like spring Uh, And we had a big push in the beginning of January uh, where we got those big storms and everybody was like, what a relief. We're going to have all this snow. And then it stopped snowing.
0: Yeah, um, I'll use that as a intro or a segue for a plug here. So my colleague at at Clearing Up, Casey Mahaffey, had a write-up about uh, recent updates uh, that, yeah, that it just dried up fast after mid-January. And they've had to revise uh, Northwest, uh, river forecast center revised down their outlook for, uh, several of the big rivers in the region, like, and not by small margins, uh, American falls, Dam, they sliced 26 percentage points off the outlook down to 72% of normal. Um, yeah, crystal, like you were saying, we were so, so excited. We're finally out of that drought, uh, that's just been dogging us, uh, and maybe not.
2: Maybe not. It's gonna be all above average and we're sitting at about average in some places and below average in other places where it's really needed. I read that article too um by Casey. Uh great reporting there. Um, but I think we're gonna to have to start praying for rain again.
3: Yeah, I On saw you come off. Did you have something, Rebecca?
1: I was gonna say I also I read that article. Um, and was surprised because it was only in the last week that suddenly everyone started talking about how how dry it was. And I was thinking, listening to this, the Aaron reports even two weeks ago, right? It yeah. sounded much different than the one today.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it makes me think that uh, just this is such an uh, you know an indicator of how tight supply is likely to get increasingly in the coming region or in the coming years in the region and. God, only if there was a group that was trying to come up with a way to more efficiently share surplus capacity,
3: oh, <laughs> like, that would be only. great.
1: Did Does anybody really know? Good idea.
3: If we could come together yeah. as a region, really? Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe as a Western sh- region. Yeah as a, yeah, as a Western region, even. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, maybe the West should think about that.
3: Has yeah.
0: anybody? heard of anything like that because that's just a brilliant idea yeah. we're just brilliant all the brilliant idea. ideas it's a right good here. plug
1: for this this is where i come <laughs> in with plugs today yeah
0: i'm teaming you up here
1: yeah <laughs> thanks thanks dan <laughs> yeah i mean i think that it's uh it is interesting to think about how i mean we are not looking at energy right but we also know that that we're trying to think about how do we put a a good value on capacity for the region to get a better handle on you know what's available. Um, and then the, the layer on top of that may well need to be energy or any of these that we've got some interesting, I think, articles to talk about later about the other ancillary services that we might need to start valuing that could be layered on top of resource adequacy or, or the market ideas that others are bringing to the table too. But yeah, for sure. I think that's a, that's a really good, thanks, Dan. It's a great idea that the region coordinate like that and who yeah. knew talking yeah, about the weather would take us all the way yeah, all the way back anything can come back. back to the wrap if you try hard enough you know
3: <laughs> i expect it to come back all like a 10 more times this episode yeah and i expect dan to pitch 10 more articles that we should go check out it's gonna be great yeah. let's do it plugging plug in and plug away
1: okay next up is our weekly walk through public power and public power adjacent news in a segment we like to call public power desktop Paul, can you give us the typewriter?
0: And Dan, take it away. All right. Thanks, Rebecca. Uh, CAISO issued a 20-year draft transmission outlook plan on Monday, January 31st, detailed the long-term infrastructure required for the grid operator's stated clean energy goals for its footprint. It assumes that the state will add around 120 gigawatts of new resources by 2040. The draft plan includes a significant say the least, build out of power lines and other transmission infrastructure that's expected to cost roughly $30.5 billion. That includes connecting out-of-state and offshore wind to California's grid. CAISO also released its 10-year transmission plan, which recommends greenlighting projects with an estimated $2.9 billion price tag to boost grid reliability and bring more renewable energy online. Uh, The studies release uh, spurred a flurry of articles on the topic. I recommend my colleague Jason Fordney's coverage at NewsData's California Energy Market, but I'll also mention coverage by NewsData alum, Kavya Balaraman uh, at Utility Dive, because diverse news sources makes for a healthy information ecosystem.
1: That's right.
3: I scripted that for you, but I feel like you actually believe that, don't you, Dan? I feel that, feels, oh, that feels authentic. Okay, good. Okay, sorry. Did I not
0: deliver that authentic? No, you did enough?
3: great. It felt right that I should uh, at least mention that. Uh, that it, it was. It, it was right, even though it was scripted.
0: Yeah. If you ever want to have a special episode on just that, I can riff for like hours.
3: Oh man, that <laughs> I actually would not enjoy. that, that anybody
0: that. cares, but I really much, very much enjoy that. <laughs> you and my mom, because well. Anyways
2: there were there were a flurry of articles and i uh did read the kiso's blog post on um this um transmission outlook and what i found interesting about that um blog post is it was very clear about what this is and what it is not um and it is an outlook and it is not a recommendation for a specific project so i thought that was uh very interesting and a good contrast to you know that annual um, look, and this twenty-year uh, look, but man, those are big, big numbers. One hundred and twenty gigawatts by um, twenty forty. That's going to be yeah a big investment in uh, transmission infrastructure.
0: Yeah, uh, Crystal, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought up that this the twenty-year transmission outlook is different from the ten-year transmission plan. So. Uh, it's not like they're saying we're going to spend three million, three billion in the next ten years, and then another twenty-seven billion. These are two related, but uh, the the scope of the plans are different. And yeah, one's a recommendation, the other one's an outlook.
1: I definitely did. I did that math. I would think anyone else did, and thought, yeah. How does "Work." I did. So I appreciate that, Dan, but I still have questions, even if they're not the same scope as to exactly how, you know, that it does seem like the 10 year, you got to spend more than, I mean, just simple math, you got to spend more than 3 billion and then leave 27. But I assume that those things, they happened really in tandem. Is that probably the deal? I'm not very well educated on this one. So that the next 10 year plan would be more inclusive of that outlook or the information gleaned from that 20 year look ahead. Is that the thought?
0: Yeah, and, and it's partially to do with training or uh, lead times for projects, and also uh, as I, far as I understand it, um, the outlook is more expansive and doesn't just involve. Kaiser. It's uh, doesn't just involve what Kaiso's is recommending it's within its plans. footprint, okay. right. right? And it's uh, yeah, Kaiso's ten-year transmission plan is saying like this is what we need for. Reliability, etc., in our footprint, uh, versus the this is what our footprint
3: needs. Uh
1: it needs in the to region in this, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. One of the areas of the article I found really interesting was was uh uh Elliot Mainzer's quoted and they talk about the driving needs for this new transmission build. And and one of the things is actually going come up later in an article, but they speak to there's higher than anticipated shifting of peak load into evening hours. And that's one of the dynamics when you have a portfolio, that's largely solar. Um, When you're shifting into off-peak hours, you shift away from the available resource. Uh, It's gonna come up later, Uh, but I thought that was an interesting need. Like you you probably do have increased transmission needs if you are shifting into off-peak periods, which is a completely new dynamic for power markets uh, where the off-peak period may not be the beneficial period to uh, To do things uh, like charge your vehicle, workplace charging continues to be a theme for Public Power Underground. <laughs> Rebecca, you want to plug for uh, other things that we do yeah. all the time. Plug Pass—it's open source. Plug Pass—it's just an just outlet.
1: thinking that you know one of the things we're thinking about on the wrap is how to make sure that we're not identifying you know that we're really flexible when those peak hours move, or that yep. we're assessing you know what is the capacity during the hours that we actually need it and recognizing that that may that may not be when the sun's up if we have a lot of uh you know solar infiltration. So yeah, recognizing yeah. that we want to not so we are trying to not presuppose which hours of the day it is but instead say during whatever we see historically were the critical hours if we do some um estimating for how current build out would have looked with historical data and, and really trying to close that gap, which is of course not easy, but trying to think about how do you how do you prepare for the fact that those kinds of things will keep happening, that yeah. historical data may not be what it looks like in
3: the future. Yeah, your program design needs to be flexible enough to deal with futures yeah. that we, that don't look like the past, because and that is one of the stories of this outlook, is our future doesn't really look like our past. It's going to take right. yeah. very different things, and that takes a lot of infrastructure to enable very different things.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That said, it is uh, the oft quoted expression that passes prologue definitely still pertains because I think, uh, especially around the procedure or process for getting new projects, especially ones with long lead times and huge price tags, like a transmission line uh, or say pumped storage, the approach to that is definitely rooted in that past that we're you know, still in right yep. now. And that is rapidly becoming outdated as we're seeing so past this prologue maybe not in such a good way in this case
3: and that's the catch yes i did it i felt right didn't it oh i'm gonna try it's that not a, good. it's yeah, not a it's not a catchphrase i don't say it so <laughs> but i feel like if i say it it'll, it'll, it'll i think it'll feel right it'll feel right in your ears when you listen to this episode dan i feel at least like i should say it in like and that's the catch folks Oh, like we're going to get that kind of on the soundboard next time too. Nine, oh, You're going to be, full. We're just, it, I'm not allowed to use like Ted Lasso quotes anymore on the soundboard. It's some license, it's like legal things, right? You're a real um, news organization. I can't just do this anymore. So I'm just going to fill it with like, we're going to have one of John Hairston uh, being like, what? After I tell him he's got to buy merch. <laughs> now we're going to have like Dan, we're going to have Dan being like, uh, that's the catch folks. Uh, and what was the first one we did? It was great. And now I've completely spaced on it. It's oh, the, the breaking news one. The breaking news one. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Remind okay. me to bribe Sarah to lose that audio clip. Yeah, she's she's I have audio <laughs> clips. The zoom is oh, it's God. backed up Damn. everywhere. I got all of this stuff. Don't you worry. It's gonna be great. Right, maybe they'll need a you. Paul. Are we ready for yeah. the typewriter? We're ready. We're ready. <laughs> okay, we're ready. good ready job. Good job, shot, Rebecca. We're ready. Okay, we
1: yeah. guys yeah. go on. to the typewriter. Crystal, you've got the next story.
2: All right. The Pacific Northwest National Lab, typically shortened to PNNL, published a study last year highlighting hydropower's contributions to grid reliability and resilience. That study was the subject of a recent Utility Dive article published February 2nd. Links in the show notes. One finding of the study is that hydropower facilities contributed between 30% to 60% of governor response to stabilize system frequency after outages, despite constituting just between 20% and 25% of generation capacity in the Western interconnection. The study was commissioned under the Hydrowires Initiative of the U.S. Department of Energy's Water Power Technologies Office. To learn more about Hydrowires, visit energy.gov forward slash hydro wires.
1: That one was, I thought, really interesting. And I, I did already kind of jump in on this earlier, but this changing times and you know how we find ways to value these ancillary services and what kinds of things emerge in um, the markets or adequacy programs or whatever it might be to motivate folks to consider how um, the changing grid and changing resource mix uh, means, you know, even things that we haven't, and people have been very interested in laying an energy adequacy program over the current, you know, capacity resource adequacy program. But then you just look at all the other things, like frequency response, that this is hitting on, um, and you think, you know, it's hard to even predict what the most valuable ancillary service might be as the grid evolves, but... I thought this was really a fascinating article. I, already, I immediately sent the study to a bunch of different people, thinking, "Oh, we, should, the region, loves stuff like this, right?" Like,
3: yeah. So the study came out in October. I missed it. I don't know if it came across y'all's radar in October or not. But the utility dive article, Crystal sent it to me. Uh, Crystal in the know. That's it, right there. Leslie, no public power. Leslie, nope, of like Northwest Power. Now I got to. There
2: we go. Yeah. I gotta
3: change it. I got to change it. <laughs> um, that, so I've got they've got a graphic in here on this like time scale of resiliency, and I'm just going to put you on the spot, Rebecca. Like, does the adequacy program fit into this time scale of resiliency? Because it kind of seems like it's in that recover restore period, or is that all contingency reserves? And and the resource adequacy is more doesn't really apply to this. I'm just got to put you on the spot. Good question.
1: I mean, we aren't. Um, we're trying to kind of stay out of the resilience space on on the wrap. Insofar as we know that there are a bunch of different um, efforts out there to think about how quickly folks can recover, and that's not that's not really the scope of the project. Um, but I also I did find it interesting. I think um, you know I do think there are probably ways to integrate those concepts into. Um, into you know whatever metrics we decide to overlay onto the programs that we're bringing forward. So not as of yet, I guess. To it was a failed plug. You tried Great to answer. Up, but.
3: Great. No, I uh, I probably I tried to trip you up. That was a gotcha you question. You tried to trip me up. Yeah, my, uh, it was a gotcha question. I did question. a minor
1: in my master's degree on resiliency, which at the time people thought was well. It was a lot of words and a master's and a minor, but <laughs> to have a minor. So it was it was a good thing to roll your eyes out, but it's become applicable. I like didn't roll my
3: eyes. Yeah. I yeah. didn't roll my eyes. I got bug-eyed. That no, seems really you. cool. Okay.
1: <laughs> not you, my parents. It's not uh, always about
2: you, Paul. <laughs> no, it's true. It's not I about sorry. you, Paul. Yeah. It's
1: about mom. She's probably going to listen to this. Let's be honest. Okay, got, she you better. got one.
0: <laughs> i listen to every podcast, yeah. right? She's
1: on just about every webinar we do. Oh, oh that's, that's so, so nice. It's
2: supportive. That that's so great. great. Oh, I great. hope
1: she listens now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes. So I was great. curious I, about the timing of this study too. Um, And as you mentioned, you know, it was done back in October, it got picked up in the press, and I had, um, you know, shared it with uh, my new boss, Shauna McReynolds, here at PNUC. I said, you know, is this something we should bring to our membership? And then um, just thinking about, you know, the characteristics of hydro and valuing um, hydropower's characteristics. And did you know, Paul, in 2016, PNUC already did that. So I did
3: know Thomas uh, and Sean <laughs> and led the way on that one. I was part of it. Yeah. I was. I was in you all those systems. Yeah, I was. Yeah.
2: So again, I'm curious about you know why it was done, how it made the news, and then you know we've done this uh, for years here in the Northwest uh, valued um, the hydropower characteristics. Um, it was um, you know no brainer. But what we need to do is take this information and we really need to figure out how to apply it to assessing the, the value of these characteristics
3: agreed what do you say dan the past is prologue. yeah and so i i was
0: a little annoyed when i saw this because it had the study had just come across my transom a few days before once again news data alum kafia balaraman uh wrote up the study for utility data or utility dive uh, I have to say one of the things that really jumped out to me in the study, in the uh, my skimming it, I haven't had time to write it yet because COVID is running through my household right now. So it's tying up a lot of my attention. But uh, hydropower represents less than 6.7% of US electricity generation capacity, but provides approximately 40% of Black Start resources.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: Wow. Speaking of resiliency and valuing hydropower. Yeah. Right. Right, so are you previewing an article right now? Is that coming after COVID Possibly. gets out of your
0: house? Get out of here. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's on my to-do list, but uh, Crystal, I'll definitely give you guys a call. Please do. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I wrote up, uh, I forget how long, it. within the past six months, a year, within the past year, uh, a study that was done by one of the national labs and Idaho Falls Power about using run of river hydropower and small scale hydropower for Black start for basically like microgrid black start mm. resources and uh, there's a substantial not insignificant uh, capacity of small hydro spread around the country and especially in irrigation projects that uh, you know can be used to as black start resources
3: and previously has not been considered. so
2: yeah go hydro. Yeah.
3: Go hydro we're here for it. We're cheerleading for the hydro resources. Okay. Are we ready?
1: Okay. Okay. Give us the typewriter, Paul. I think you're up next.
3: I think Dan's up next.
1: Oh, you're right. Yes. You're right. Um, is it Dan?
0: Uh my name yeah, or my turn.
1: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Can I Good do that to meet again? You, Rebecca. Someone, who's Sarah? I owe her something. Okay. <laughs> How many typewriters can we
3: I have five different typewriter sounds. And these are custom typewriter sounds. I made these myself. Oh, hey, these are Paul? Paul Dockery original typewriter sounds.
1: Wow.
0: Uh, by the All way, right. Paul uh, the real typewriter. I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier. There is a breaking news sound that like the uh I, and I take it Sarah's cutting this out. So I'm gonna tell you about this right know, maybe now. Maybe she'll leave it in. Uh the old in newsrooms in newsrooms of lore. Yeah, that noise, it would be uh the Associated Press, various wire services would have a you know, their telex machines uh that would you know spit out the the stories, uh, and they had bells and I think lights that would go off. And there was so many lights, I think four um, that uh, to denote the like how big the breaking news was. My dad was a journalist in the 60s. I think he said the only time he saw all the lights go off was I think when Martin Luther King was assassinated. I have to go give him a call and ask him.
3: So, so it was like a teletype machine is what I heard. And yes. I really feel like Bonneville still uses a teletype. Somebody's got to have a sound. Somebody at Bonneville, you know somebody at Bonneville that's like, just hit a record on, on this old device. Right, Crystal? You must know somebody. that does that.
2: <laughs> There must be. There
3: yes. must be somebody. Right?
2: I really think that that was a remarkable story about the biggest breaking news. Um, but Dan, I do think you're trying to get out of Paul using your editor. Hey, reporter.
3: <laughs> We're going to well, use take- both. You know, We're gonna have him saying, Hey reporter, get in here, and then then the teletype in the background while he does it. That's the perfect sound. Oh I can yes. mix this. Okay, through the skills I possess. are the skills I possess.
0: We
2: have
0: yes. Okay. So when I was uh, at the first daily <laughs> paper I worked gets so for, annoyed with this, Rebecca's like, move on. I replaced no, I'm my not. Well, uh, I my thing is this time. is mirrored. I replaced my yeah, we so, see it. We look can in read a it. mirror, we can read it. Uh, I replaced my name plate or whatever with hey you
2: hey you order
3: because i felt like that's more how editors look at reporters Perfect. hey you not you Mark not you Mr. not mark not mark mark is a very kind and caring it's person different yeah it's, it's a okay. different
2: hey you it's like hey it, you
3: d- yeah <laughs> we're leaving all this energy from we're gonna the put A-L-A-D this in, in the very end of the episode and like at the credits we're leaving all this and just sarah
0: put it at the end
1: <laughs> I no,
0: thought this end. was what the, the special for Patreon supporters was. Oh, that's, what they,
1: that's what they get. Yeah, they get this
3: this, this dialogue. This is,
0: and then
1: this, they ask
3: for, <laughs> this is what people pay for. This, <laughs> this is what people pay for. This, <laughs> this is what they come back what for.
1: Brings back. <laughs>
3: that's what brings them
1: back. what brings them back. These okay, are the we're ready. eggs.
3: You ready?
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Paul, can you give us the typewriter? And that was Dan, short one. you're
0: up. Yes, I am. And I've... Uh, Uh, got a shipping story for everybody. Multinational shipping giant Maersk is launching an offshore uh, vessel charging venture. Even if you haven't had to send a container across an ocean lately, you might recognize the conglomerate's name, which is emblazoned on its massive ships. You can see it seemingly every deepwater port, including along the Columbia. Maersk is installing the world's first full-scale offshore charging station for vessels and an offshore wind farm later this year. Uh, the technology enables idle vessels to power from clean electricity instead of using their very dirty onboard motors. It does so while they're safely moored to a charging buoy. Uh, the charging buoy is large enough to power one of the URSTADS service operations vessel or a hybrid electric vessel. Conceptually, the same solution can be scaled and adapted to supply power to larger vessels, enabling vessels of all sizes to turn off their engines while lying idle.
3: This is one of the good news stories that we like to bring at Public Power Underground. It's adjacent. It's public power adjacent. You could you could have public power in the ocean. I assume I don't know, but uh, the ability to like charge aboard ship, reduce emissions this is a good news story for um, ways to find creative solutions. Uh, you know, it's charging at a wind farm, good carbon free electricity, and uh, there's to, plenty of
0: shipping in our region.
3: Yeah, at the Columbia of T- Tacoma Seattle. The, and they all need to charge. Yep, we got uh, Port Westward has a deep water terminal. We could we could install one there. I don't so generally if it's at a at a dock you'd you'd hook it up from the dock, right? Yep. These are more for when they're out waiting on some some shipping lane. But if you've ever
0: been I mean go to the beach around Seattle and look out on a busy day and it's easy to see Several six seven, uh, you know, same thing at Vancouver and Tacoma. Uh, yeah. It's it's easy to see a bunch
3: of container ships just idling out there, yeah. waiting for an open berth. Yep, we're gonna have to get Jürgen back to talk more about this. Jürgen, our offshore wind expert from the consortium, is all I remember the name because it was a bond name, and I really liked it. But Jürgen, uh, Jürgen's got to come back and talk more about moored ships.
1: Well and that was pretty cool. They said they're gonna do the sorry the technology on open source. So that it's scalable. That was a pretty cool. I mean, speaking of good news or feel good news, that was a that was a pretty cool application too. I had so many questions about it. Seemed like it's they also talked about being grid connected, which I think in this is one of the few places where my coastal and ocean civil engineering degree is remotely related to what (laughs) I actually do. But the idea of trying to actually grid connect some of yes. these things seems to always be the most challenging. And it didn't seem to involve a battery. It did seem to be grid connected. So that dynamics, I just I had so many questions that the very cool website was and that multiple you know Vimeos did not quite get me all of those answers. But it seems really interesting.
2: Well, that's where I was going, Rebecca, is uh, you could have this out in the ocean. You could be powering uh, these vessels. You would not have to interconnect it to the grid um, and build the transmission system out there to interconnect. Uh, So it seems to be a really good use of that resource. And, Paul, we have our own Northwest offshore uh, wind expert, um, a former boss of mine, um, Peter Cogswell. Uh, who worked at BPA. Uh, he was director of intergovernmental affairs at BPA. He just left to take on a new um, assignment uh, for offshore wind. So I'll have to connect you two.
3: Yeah, I think I remember that. Jürgen is now, it, I mean, he's going to defend his post as Public Power Underground's premier uh, offshore wind person. So, I mean, it's going to be a battle, but... <laughs> Well, we'll see. That
1: sounds yeah. like an episode I'll tune in for. Yeah. <laughs> the battle. Well, for I'm glad Australia to have expertise.
3: Yeah, I'm glad to have a Northwest perspective on it for sure.
2: For
1: sure. Uh,
3: Chris, very Chris East
0: Coast. Can I? Uh, can you connect me as well? Because that sounds like
2: yes. A I am the context. connector. That's yes. what we do here at Peanut. We bring great ideas together. Oh. I will connect you.
3: Promo. We're leaving that in. Leave that wow. in, Sarah. Got it. oh man. Yes. Get the peanut that's great okay we're ready
1: okay we're ready for the typewriter okay i've got the next story uh, four vessels and more than 60 scientists are setting out as part of the largest expedition um, ever to study salmon in the north pacific ocean The expedition's major objective will be to understand extreme climate variability and its impact on Pacific salmon. The 2022 Pan Pacific Winter High Seas Expedition is supported by five countries through the International Year of the Salmon, IYS, which is inexplicably a five year initiative seeking to ensure salmon resilience throughout the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, Expeditions in the North Pacific Ocean were organized by member countries of the North Pacific Andromeda's Fish Commission, Canada, Japan, Republic of Korea, and the Russian Federation in the U.S. To learn more, you can read Casey Mahaffey's article in this week's edition of Clearing Up.
2: This is really interesting, and I had the pleasure of meeting uh, the scientist, NOAA's chief scientist, uh, Lori Whitecamp. Um, in my previous role as um, Bonneville's uh, director of the Fish and Wildlife Program, uh, Lori was invited by the Northwest Power and Conservation Council to talk about her expedition in 2019. If you missed that, that was in a small, cozy—she said cozy—Russian uh, uh, boat where she was out in um, the North uh, Pacific uh, in the winter. Uh, but this is a huge expedition. Uh, they're going to learn a lot about um, most of the life cycle of salmon um you know salmon spend more of their life in the salmon than they do in the freshwater system
0: yeah one thing that grabbed my attention was the scientists researchers looked at 150 years of uh, surface sea surface temperature data from across the oceans and saw that uh, it's already been experiencing climate variability increasingly and so interesting yeah it was. I was. I was surprised that we had data going back that far. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's my reaction.
0: That's yeah. Although I guess I did learn via my son's fascination with the Titanic that uh, every ship crossing the Atlantic at least regularly took uh, temperature and environmental r- recordings and sent them to some place
3: in Germany that compiled all of it. That was so. great foresight. Somebody was really yeah. thinking there. Yeah. Really thinking there. One of the things that caught my attention is actually it links to a prior article that Casey wrote about um, them using remote, sen- trying to invest in remote sensing capability because mm-hmm. these expeditions are so expensive. And in order to have more robust data sets that they are trying to fundraise for remote sensing capabilities so that it can be more automated and not have to have these expeditions every every day year two or five um i thought that was incredibly interesting it was something she reported on back january 21st 2022 in an article so
1: yeah okay paul give us the typewriter and you've got the next one
3: I've got the last one. Silicon Valley Clean Energy is testing software that can shift the customer's electric vehicle charging to hours with lower priced electricity, but the community choice aggregator is finding that reducing greenhouse gas emissions while doing so is problematic. The program saved participants about $24 a month on average on their energy bills compared to charging immediately after plugging in, according to a report published by Silicon Valley Clean Energy published in December. According to the report, the goals of the pilot were twofold. First is to decrease participants' energy bill, a noble goal. And second, align EV charging with off-peak hours of low-carbon generation, also a noble goal, but also really hard when your primary source of uh, carbon-free power is solar, which is during the day. Um, California Energy Market's David Krause, great reporting on this topic, reached out to Rebecca Fang from Silicon Valley Clean Energy, who cleared up clarified that optimizing charging times primarily based on retail cost of off-peak periods resulted in almost no greenhouse gas emissions reduction because off-peak hours in California occurs largely during the overnight period when low carbon generation is at its low point. To get some more great reporting, we're going to give a plug Dan for uh, California Energy Marcus. This is in the February 4th edition um, as usual, I got links in the show notes. Uh, this is a great article. Thanks David. Uh, you know, one thing that I thought
0: was really interesting, just to follow up on your uh, the last point about uh, not limiting or reducing carbon emissions, uh, Fang uh, told David that if they get drivers to shift their scheduled departure times to later in the day, they do see a meaningful decrease in the carbon intensity of electricity. And they estimate by shifting to more daytime charging, they can avoid 4,000 pounds of CO2 emissions. Nailed which isn't, it. I mean, yeah. I mean, which isn't like the millions of pounds you that we hear
3: from other things, but Hey, 4,000 pounds. I'll take that. I mean, if, uh, if all it takes is a outlet at your parking spot at work, why not? Right. Daytime charging. Rebecca, are you familiar with plug pass? PlugPass is an open source uh, electric vehicle charging program developed by Klatskin IPUD, where we enable people to charge at work on a 120 volt outlet for a low, low cost of $27 a month. Are you interested in Plug Pass charging, Rebecca?
1: I did hear about Plug Pass yeah. on your last episode and I believe a couple others as well. <laughs> yep.
3: Okay. We're running out of time. You ready, Rebecca?
1: Okay. Let's hit the typewriter. Let's move on. We're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we'll TLDR our way through the rest of the headlines. Take it away, Dan.
0: All right, Northwest Public Power Association believes in public power. For 82 years, Northwest Public Power Association has supported public power utilities and other associates in the greater Pacific Northwest by offering education, training, communications, governmental relations, and services like RFP and job postings. In addition to public power, what else is important to NWPPA? I'll tell you what's important to them. Local control, member needs, integrity, and quality products and services. Today, NWPPA proudly serves 155 member utilities and more than 325 utility industry associate members. Learn more, register for a class at nwppa.org. That's nwppa.org. Believe in public
1: power. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Even the uh, promos here have been educational. I learned something (laughs) about TEA last week and NWPPA. So gosh, look at you guys. Um, Infotaining
3: all of it. (laughs) All Next up,
1: we're TLDRing our way through the news in an unnamed segment. If you have a name for the segment you'd like us to try, send a screenshot of the five-star review you gave us on Apple Podcasts. That includes a written review, and that's how you help other electric utility enthusiasts find us.
3: Okay, I got I to pause this here. Public Power Now, we're in a competition with Public Power Now, the other Public Power podcast, okay? They are the top search result. Again, we, we did pass them and and we were the top search result for a while now they have passed us at least in my algorithm which is on whose algorithm would they possibly be at the top other than mine i don't know but we really need some more five star reviews and some comments so that we it's a competition it's friendly it's public power competition is anyway i'm going to let you go that's
1: very friendly yeah i will say you put robert on the spot about a five star review so i have five star reviewed i did not however Give a comment, which I now probably need to go back and do. That's probably how we win the the algorithms. Is, if you get the, the, the more point?
3: comments you get, like the it, it's weighted a lot more in the algorithm. So
1: that's good to get, know. Yeah. Now I I maybe I messed it up. Maybe I may hopefully I can go back and fix sure. my the error of my ways, guys. Sure, or find somebody
3: else's phone. You. Just find somebody else's phone. There's okay, all over so, the place.
1: You're right. There's both. gotta be more
2: than one iPhone around right here. That's true. I've got teenagers. Two five-star reviews coming up, Paul.
3: Yes, thank you. Yes, with with comments. It's fine if it's her from teenagers. Okay. So are you ready, Rebecca? We're going to do this together, okay? Let's. Yeah,
1: I'm ready.
3: Okay. This is TLDR, where we do short summaries of energy news and decide whether we should keep reading. I'm Paul Dockery.
1: And I'm Rebecca Sexton. And and we're we're just just reading reading the lead. lead. Oh, you went real slow. (laughs) I,
3: I feel like I'm going... Anyway, let's go for it. You, you start.
1: Okay, here I go. Puget Sound Energy says it needs to hit electric. It needs to hit electricity and natural gas customers with a double digit rate increase next year to make good on Washington's clean energy mandate to cover other- and to cover other cost increases.
3: The company wants to boost electric service revenue by three hundred and eleven million by increasing residential rates by twelve point nine percent in twenty twenty three. It also asked the Washington UTC to raise natural gas revenue by one hundred and forty three million next year through an eleven point nine percent. Residential customer rate increase.
1: We talked about this one a bit earlier, but after starting out with a bang, January's precipitation in the Columbia Basin ended abruptly by mid month, leaving forecasters to lower uh, expectations for the region's water supply at a monthly briefing on February 3rd.
3: You're right. We did read this, Casey Maffey, or mention it earlier. The Snake River Basin is one of the biggest losers, according to the Northwest River Forecast Center. The basin saw a significant drop in the predicted April through September water supply compared to the center's January 5th forecast.
1: The Snake and Columbia Rivers combined to bring the forecast at the Dallas Dam to exactly average, 100% of normal, which is four percentage points lower than a month ago.
3: And we did learn just earlier today, uh, because this is uh, more recent than Casey's, that it dropped another 2%. It was 98% when we reported earlier on air reports. I did report that
2: earlier. did report that.
3: Next news... I do. Next news from the Potomac. President Joe Biden on February 4th extended tariffs on imported crystalline solar photovoltaic projects another four years. In a proclamation, Biden established a tariff free quota of five gigawatts for cells, an increase from the current level of 2.5 gigawatts, and an annual reductions in the tariff for cell imports outside the quota over the coming four years.
1: The proclamation continued an exclusion of bifacial PV panels from tariffs. Biden said the extension quote will provide greater economic benefits than costs. He directed the U.S. trade representative, Catherine Tai, to negotiate possible tariff exemptions for Canada and Mexico.
3: In the supply and demand section of Clearing Up this week, the developer of the 415-megawatt natural gas-fired wind chaser peaking planned for, uh, p- plan for Umatilla County, Oregon, announced February 2nd it will begin taking steps to terminate the project site certificate, potentially ending development of the controversial power plant.
1: And UAMS wrapped up a site characterization fieldwork at the Idaho National Laboratory that will support the licensing of a 462 megawatt small, small modular reactor, according to the Carbon Free Power Project. Startup and commissioning for the first module is planned for 2029, with the rest planned for 2030.
3: Finally, one of the most hotly debated topics in the modern energy conversation is whether nuclear power should play a role in the clean energy transition or to be banished forever. One aspect of that conversation is a growing chorus of voices urging a reversal of the decision to close down the 2200 megawatt Diablo Canyon power plant.
1: The debate intensified this week when 79 leading scientists, entrepreneurs, and academics, wrote Governor Gavin Newsom, urging him to keep Diablo Canyon operating. Among them is Stephen Chu, U.S. Secretary of Energy under President Barack Obama. Uh, Failing to preserve Diablo Canyon will make achieving California's climate goals much more difficult and costly, experts said in the February 1st letter.
3: That was an article covered by, or it was actually an opinion piece on Jason Fordney's it's a on its bottom line in the California Energy Markets. Great article, Jason. Uh, uh, News data podcast, ambassador extraordinaire. Thanks to our production partners, News Data, for letting us use their leads. And thanks to Ian for compiling them. Now back to the crew to close out the episode.
1: Because, because
3: we, just we just read,
1: read the leads. The leads. <laughs> I, I gave up on the
3: titles. I gave up on the titles. I need some inspiration. Come on, public power. Come on community. We can do this. We can do better.
1: Okay. Any stories you guys want to dig into on that,
3: those? I think I've we may have some, run out of time. Go ahead, Dan. I've got some breaking news. If you want to hit me with breaking the, news, breaking news.
0: Hey, So just a few minutes ago, well, I, like four minutes ago, this showed up in my inbox uh, Puget Sound Energy talking about them just issued a distributed energy resources RFP. They want 129 megawatt. Or, I'm sorry, hundred yeah, 129 megawatts of uh DERs that are eligible for
3: the Clean Energy Transformation Act. So, breaking
0: news. Oh, thank you, Dan. Yeah, Dan. I'll yeah, be
1: digging I'm into that. On air.
3: Two breaking. We started and we ended with breaking news. We're gonna wow. maybe we rename the title "Breaking News." Uh, doing business as oh, doing yeah. business as Breaking News. I don't know. We'll figure it out. but Definitely, we need a "Doing Business As" in there. Okay, we're ready. Let's do it.
1: Okay, Um, that is all we've got covered for this week. Next, the next regularly scheduled episode will be recorded February 21st and, repu- and published on February 24th. To make sure you don't miss it, you can sign up for an unintrusive newsletter with links. To all the ways to consume this fascinating content at publicpowerunderground.substack.com. And otherwise, you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app.
3: Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being our celebrity guest. There was a really high bar because the last episode was an interview with John Harrison. And you just came in here and you just smashed it out of the park. You just Yeah, nailed I mean, I it. knew there nailed was it. a high
1: bar. So I I just tried to Hermione Granger my way into your hearts, but I hope, I hope I'll hope i get to come back. This has been really fun.
3: Good. I, I Do you feel valued and appreciated?
1: Oh, I do feel valued and appreciated. Thank okay. you.
3: How, how about you, Crystal? Do you feel valued and appreciated?
2: I do. I do. And I think that uh, Rebecca brought some great energy to this she podcast. Well, uh, done,
3: well, oh, well done,
1: Rebecca. Oh, thank you. Thanks, yeah. guys.
3: And, and Dan, do you feel valued and appreciated? Do you feel the value and appreciation from me right now? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. And that's the catch. It wasn't, but. I needed to. Okay, can I answer? Take my answer back. (laughs) It's too late. It's too late.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. As always, send any news, questions, opinions, corrections, or complaints to Paul uh, on Twitter at a power manager. Or if you're a friend of the underground, you can send any of us a note. Uh, You don't have to be subscribed to Newsday's weekly newsletters to get this podcast, but it sure does make the podcast make a lot more sense. Thanks. Uh, thanks all for this week. And thanks for tuning in.
0: Roll on, roll on, enthusiasts, roll on. We're likely recruiting you to come
3: and join on. Roll on, Public Power Underground is a production of I Beauty and News Data, the views expressed here are own and not the official views of I IPUD and News Data or the organization of the guests also appearing on Public Power Underground. Public Power Underground is public power and public power adjacent news from a power department's perspective. It's written and directed by Klotzkine PewDiePie's power department, led by me, Paul Dockery. And it's edited and published by the stellar team of Pioneer Utility Resources, led by associate producer Sarah Wooden. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiast, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by uh, Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe. And special thanks to our celebrity guest host, Rebecca Sexton, for participating in this week's episode. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, where you're valued and appreciated.